On today's episode of The Savvy Marketer, we're taking our show from here in rural Ohio to LA to talk about digital advertising, how it's evolved, and how savvy marketers can measure what really matters. I'm really excited about today's episode of The Savvy Marketer. We're going to be talking to my friend Sarah, and she and I have both managed digital ads for a long time. In fact, if you measure in internet years, it's been an eternity. But while my team 15 years ago were running ads for small companies, Sarah was working in Chicago and managing large-scale campaigns for major brands like P&G and Allstate. Sarah has consulted with Spire, and she's helped apply some of the lessons that she's learned working at scale with major brands back so that we can make our campaigns for small and mid-sized companies more effective as well. Sarah's going to talk about three types of KPIs that companies of all sizes can use to make their marketing hum. But first, a marketing moment. Today's marketing moment is about making your sales and your marketing work together. As a company grows, the sales team and the marketing team can start to feel like two completely separate camps. Marketing is pushing sales to make something happen with all those leads they've been generating. And sales is telling marketing to quit sending them such junky leads so they actually can close the sale. Does this sound familiar? Here's the thing. A lot of great stuff can happen if sales and marketing will just sit down together at the same table to share information and look for ways that they can help each other. The marketing folks, by learning from the sales team, can shift from targeting vague avatars and instead target real people, the prospects that the salespeople are trying to reach. And when sales understands the message that marketing is trying to deliver, They can deliver that message through their own personal networks and social networks and sales prospects and deliver it more effectively than marketing can do on their own. So whether you're in sales or in marketing, if you are struggling with the other camp, try to take some time to get everybody to sit down at the same table, maybe carve out a half a day, share information with one another, learn from one another, look for ways that you can help each other. It's amazing what can happen when you work together and start saying the same thing. And that is your marketing and sales moment. So our guest on The Savvy Marketer today is a, the founder and CEO of Lead Lab Media. Uh, her name is Sarah Johnson. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we've become fast friends. We've been geeking out on digital ad strategy, and um, you've helped us tremendously as we've been trying to evolve the things that we're doing with our marketing. And so I know you've been working in digital advertising for a long time. Um, and so how did you first get into this? Yeah, so I actually got into it in college. Um, I got my degree in advertising and the advertising program I was in actually had a specialty in media planning. Um, so I, I like to say I'm classically trained in the art of media planning. Yeah. I also uh, really wanted to get into digital. Um, it was about 17 years ago. So it was, you know, Google search was like emerging as a channel. I talked to my professor and I said, you know, where should I go if I want to work in media? And she said, you need to go to Chicago. And I said, done. So I moved from Texas to Chicago and started working at some of the large agencies there. I was at Prospect for many years and I was at Performix for many years. So big mega brands, big mega budgets doing uh, search marketing for Allstate and P&G, you know, really sinking my teeth into biddable media and performance media. Yeah. This was, you said like 17 years ago, you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So um, what kind of digital advertising were you doing at that time? Like paid search? So at that time I was doing search. Um, mm-hmm. So I, gradu- I was fortunate enough to graduate in 2008. 
um, which is when all media budgets got cut and slashed. So I had every intention of going and working in digital media and big flashy banner ads and, yeah. uh, you know, working on big buys and everything screeched to a halt. People were losing their jobs everywhere I looked. And I just kind of looked around and said, where's the money going? And the money was going to search. Mm-hmm. It was performance driven. It was you know, very efficient. You only paid for what you got and you can optimize to exactly what you were trying to do. Yeah. So I said, I'm moving to search. And so that's when I really stuck, stuck my teeth into learning search as a practice you know, in 2008, just because that was the opportunity at the time. And it's been Absolutely. growing ever since. That's how social now is, you know, bought. That's how programmatic is bought. It all kind of has stemmed from that model. Yeah, and I that was I was just a couple years into Spire at that time, and search was so much fun back then because it was like you pick it was so much simpler, and you pick your keywords, and I feel like there was like three to five cent clicks for everything. You know, hundred percent. And it was like, you're sitting on this gold mine of like customer data, like which yeah. we never got to get in any other channel. You know, you run a TV ad and you just kind of got to see where it went. You didn't really get to see the data of like what happened, what did they click? Where did they go? So I, I really enjoyed learning about the consumers through using search marketing. What keywords were they clicking? What was they resonating with? And we yeah. were able to then package those insights to our clients to say, hey, this is what people are really into. These are the questions they're asking. And it really informed strategy, which was my favorite part. And it's interesting because we were doing this stuff at the same time, but we were doing it in very different spaces. I mean, you were running campaigns for, you know, major brands and I'm running them for like small mom and pop shops, but about the same time. And I remember in that same era, that 2008, 2009, um, like we were struggling like things were everything was drying up with small business too and i did a seminar um, to talk about how to do marketing during a recession and it was like a local chamber event and i went in and said look you guys are spending money on they were asking questions like should we be should we keep running those billboards and those radio campaigns in the local newspaper and i'm like no you need to switch to google because right now you need to target the people that are actually still buying and so it's 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 the same world but completely different scales and, and levels and stuff like that. So good 100%. stuff. And then there's no commitments. So, you know, it's like, it's not, if you do a billboard, you have to commit to six months and it's all this money and you just don't know what your business is going to look like when you're in such tumultuous times, you yeah. can shut off Google ads in, in a minute if you need to, there's no, you're not locked into an IO. So that was what would made it really appealing too. Yes. Good. So um, I'm interested, how have you seen digital ads evolve or devolve, depending on how you look at it, um, since those days of, you know, easy clicks on Google and flexible budgets? How have things changed um, since then? Yeah, so, I mean, we, coming from, you know, the, the 2008 era, I would say starting in like 2012 to recently, we kind of all got uh, really used to having lots of consumer data. You know, we were tracked in lots of different ways. Your app was tracking you. The social media, you know, platforms were tracking you. And that was uh, how we did a lot of our buys. You know, we built lookalike audiences and we um, did a lot of retargeting and you were able to track, you know, individuals, which made advertising really effective and efficient. If you're looking for someone who's buying baby clothes, then, you know, you can target mothers because you just, she was on a baby website, you know, looking for uh, baby tips. So you could then know, oh, she must be, you know, expecting, we can, you know, now offer, you know, advertise baby clothes. That was all real easy up until recently. 
Um, But now that we're seeing that there's, you know, backlash and tracking, people are able to opt out. iOS 14 has kind of blocked tracking, you know, as a standard. You then can opt out, you know, with whole apps. We're starting to see that that's becoming a little bit less reliable. Um, which I actually, as a as a classically trained you know media planner, see it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think you know there was a period where we were relying too heavily on the algorithms to kind of just target how they saw fit to find those right people. But now we have to go back to our media planning roots. Mm-hmm. What are your people doing? What do they like? What do they read? Um, what are they interested in? And then you can kind of have that mix of old school and new school using the technology directionally to kind of see where people are and how it's doing, but also using your consumer insights to say, well, where should we be? Does yeah. TikTok make sense? Does Facebook make sense? Where are our customers and what are they doing for us to really target them? Uh, what caused you to start Lead Lab Media? How long were you in yeah. Chicago and how did where did you go from there? So I was in Chicago for 12 years. So when I was working at those big agencies, I was also paying off some student loans. And so I was kind of freelancing on my nights and weekends, helping out some smaller agencies and smaller advertisers around town. Search and digital was very new. Um, So there was just a lot of opportunity for me to be able to take my day job and kind of help those skills for some smaller advertisers. And I loved the work. It was, you know, those, the advertisers were strategic. They were ready to test new things. Um, they were, you know, it was just, I found it very inspiring work because you're working yeah. with real dollars that need to, you know, actually perform, you know, and that inspired me to quit my full-time job and make my part-time job my full-time job. And I cool. started freelancing full-time eight years ago. Yeah. So I started freelancing, um, and now we've grown to a team of about 15. We spend you know, a lot of our day in the platforms. We're you know, doing a lot of search marketing, social marketing, programmatic, anything where you're really getting into the platforms and optimizing towards a goal is in our wheelhouse. Okay, excellent. And um, on a personal note, because we like jump right into, whenever we talk, we jump right into it. Um, on a personal note, when you're not working, what are, what are some things that you love to do? So I'm a new mom. Um, so Congratulations. I would say, thank you. Um, so I'd say my day is full of getting as much as I can done during the day, really, you know, fitting it all into an eight hour work day. And then when I'm done, I'm done. And I spend time with my daughter. Yeah. Um, so we like to go to the park and we like just hang out with her. And I really just try to enjoy the time that I get with her. Um, beyond that, my husband and I like to travel. We love to go to music festivals and concerts. So we're getting babysitters here and again so that we can go see some shows around town. So yeah. really just trying to find that good balance between family time and work time. Yeah, cool. And you are you are no longer in Chicago, right? I am not in Chicago. So during pandemic, uh, my husband and I were looking at each other. Uh, in the freezing cold with all the restaurants closed. And we said, what are we doing here? Uh, let's go where there's sunshine. And yeah. for no reason at all, packed up all the kitties into a van and drove across country and moved to LA just to get some more sunshine and, and hang out in the mountains. So we've been here for about two years now yeah. um, just for a, a change of scenery. Cool. So, I mean, I, I can't resist this. I mean, so you moved to L.A. during the pandemic. So you did get some more sunshine, but you got more closed restaurants and stuff like that, too, right? Like, yeah, for a lot longer, which yeah. 
actually worked out well because I did not intend to get pregnant the like the day we got here. I literally <laughs> found out the day we unpacked that van that I wasn't feeling well. And yeah. sure enough, I was pregnant with our first kid. And I guess I couldn't have gone to restaurants anyway. <laughs> so it was a good time with everything closed, no FOMO to just sit and be sober and yeah. have a baby. Good stuff. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you see digital marketers face today when they're trying to run campaigns? Yeah, I mean, I think this, you know, there's this tracking, you know, the lack of tracking and that's only going to get worse is going to continue to be an issue. Um, I think, you know, marketers really need to be double really thinking about how they are going to be measuring their advertisement and their marketing and everything that they're doing. Um, so really thinking about how they're getting that data themselves. So if mm -hmm. you can't rely on the tools, you can't rely on, you know, Facebook tracking pixel and you can't rely on the Google ads tracking pixel and even Google analytics is going to be directionally reliable, still set them all up. You need to mm -hmm. see that data, but it's not going to be the end all be all. And it's not going to tell you everything about how your ads or how your marketing is doing. Um, so you need to have ways to be able to measure that yourself. Um, yeah. So figuring out ways that you can, you know, track your customers internally through CRMs and make sure that you have all the data in place where, you know, where did the lead come from? And then how long did the lead take? Well, you know, how many times did a salesperson read out, reach out to that lead and did that lead close into a sale? So then how much revenue did that lead come, you know, make eight months later? Um, so being able to track that all the way from beginning to end is going to be the most important thing that people can do. Also getting consumers to opt into their messaging is going to be really important. So finding ways to get someone to sign up with their email address to mm -hmm. receive messages from you um, because you're not going to be able to track them without their permission. Being able to offer webinars or to offer white papers or free discounts in some way so that they opt in to wanting to hear from you. Building yeah. that infrastructure is going to be a way that you could reach them post our tracking era. Yeah. Okay, good. And when I think about tracking, I mean, also COVID stuff, you know, we had someone on our team that was functioning as our marketing strategist and she was in a position where during that time she needed to step back and become a freelancer. And so we were going to try to hire somebody. And then I said, you know what, I want to step in and I want to be the lead marketing strategist again for Spire. And I've loved it. Um, but there were definitely things when we got into it, I realized like the reporting, for example, the, the tracking, um, it, it felt like we weren't tracking the right stuff. It felt like, um, you know, we're giving reports to clients, marketing directors that are out there. It's not something that they could carry into their boss's office and right. say, what is this it is doing how we're for doing. Me? Okay. What's a click? What's the value of a click? How much money did it make me? Exactly. Why do I care about this? 100%. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of people out there um, who are still in that place where they're looking at, you know, impressions and clicks and things that don't really track back to some of those things you talked about. And so how do they, how can savvy marketers make that transition? the people that they're working yeah. with and get the information that they really need to get. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's easy to happen because you do need to look at everything. And mm -hmm. so as an optimizer going into an account and making decisions, we are looking at clicks and click through rate and you know, what did they do once they clicked? Did they add to their cart? We're always looking for a quick signal that what we're doing is working. Yeah. Um, and so if you're ever working with a business, especially one that has a very long lead time, so let's say it's a car, 
Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, it takes a while for someone to buy a car. No one just, you know, on a whim does this quick search and buys a car immediately. Right. If they did, then we could track revenue to our ads very quickly. But that's yeah. not what happens. So there's, you know, there's always about three months of a research time where people spend time researching and then they narrow down their list to their top three cars and then they go to the dealer and they drive those three cars. So there's like a really long time span between when they first started their search to when they actually make that final purchase. So as an optimizer, I don't have the, the time to spend six months of your money and six months of dollars waiting to see if that turned into a sale. We need to make decisions now. We're spending mm -hmm. money now. Um, so we are looking at clicks. We're looking at, you know, how many pages did they view? Did they add a, a custom model to their cart? So those we call those optimization KPIs. Those mm -hmm. KPIs that give us those really quick wins of, yes, this is reaching the right audience. And then you're going to have your marketing KPIs. These are the ones that are going to say, okay, we've reached the right person, but is what we're saying resonating? So that's, you know, we're going to be looking for signals that someone's raising their hand to say, yes, I'm interested in this. So maybe that is scheduling a test drive or reaching out to a salesperson or downloading the white paper or engaging in some way that they yeah. are ready for that next step. And then you've got your business KPIs. You know, that's the one that we all care about. It's what right. pays our bills. Are we actually selling cars? Are we actually making money? So you kind of want to look at the lift in your business KPIs, but yet use your optimization KPIs as signals that it's moving in the right direction and measure everything along the way. Good stuff. It's it's not that the one the optimization KPIs are bad. They give us those early indications that we need uh, because, right. like you said, you can't you need to know if the campaign's working quickly. Um, right. But the, the yeah. thing that's often missing is more on the business KPI side. Right. And and definitely when you know clients and agencies and marketers and you know the the people who are pulling the levers and spending the dollars can communicate that data. Um, you know, if you have that full funnel reporting where you can say, okay, somebody clicked and then they, you know, filled out a form and we can see all the way to purchase that, you know, where they came from actually turned into revenue and you can give that full funnel reporting back to your optimizers that just gives them more to work with um, yeah. so that they can start to optimize to the KPIs that you care about. So many times I'm talking with clients who say things to me like, well, our ads aren't working because the leads we're getting aren't quality. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, how are we measuring quality? How can I see that report? Is that something that's in your HubSpot? Is that something your salespeople are you know, giving me a report so that I can track back which ads are quality and which ads aren't so I can optimize to that? Same thing with sales. You know, Are we able to measure all the way to the end? Because if I can't measure it, and I can't see where it came from, then I can't optimize to it. So we're all kind of speaking the same language when we have the data to look at. Yeah, that's good. And, and it's recognizing that, that the people that are running the campaigns have one set of data, and the people that are right. on the other side of things have completely different, and it's about marrying those things together and connecting the dots. 100%. What are some systems that marketers need to have in place in order to bring these things together? depends on if you're, you know, e-commerce or revenue, you need to make sure you have a good shopping engine. Um, you know, Shopify and Marketo and some of the big ones, they, you know, have some really good integrations into these platforms so that they can tell you, you know, if somebody clicked an ad, what keyword did they click, and then they purchased a, a, a product. 
Mm-hmm. If you're something that's like online to offline, um, you want to have something that's like a signal that somebody came into the store. Um, so maybe it's a coupon that they can bring or they sign up for a, a loyalty you know, card where they can actually use it in store. Then you can track their online behaviors and their offline behaviors and you can match those two people together. If it's something like where you are, you know, the conversion happens with a salesperson, then you need to make sure you have really good CRMs in place that the sales team is using that are integrated into, you know, the source of the, the, where the ad or where the marketing message came from so that you can say, oh, we uh, ran this banner campaign, somebody clicked and they filled out a form and talked to a salesperson. You need to be able to, in your CRM, have all of that information and then have your sales team trained in keeping the data clean. If it was a closed lead, why was it closed? If it was a low quality lead, why was it low quality? Um, So that's sometimes where we see breakdown in data is you know, the process issue where salespeople are marking everything as unqualified just because that's just what they do. But that doesn't give us the data we need to say, okay, well, what was unqualified about that? So then having those, that training so that they're marking it in your CRM with it all integrated is kind of how you get that full funnel reporting. Good stuff. And I think the last group that you shared that you're generating activity and there's a salesperson that's closing the sale, whether it's B2B or B2C, that is the world that, that we tend to operate in at Spire. And, and I've found that the more you can get the marketing people and the sales people to be at the same table, uh, the more effective you can be. Um, because I think oh, so often it's just okay. like this separate world of, um, well, you know, uh, we'd be selling, we, we need you guys to close the sales we're bringing you. Well, no, we'd be selling more if you bring us better quality leads, you know, and, and it's just this back and forth thing when really all the information that's needed to do it really well lives in the in the middle between what sales yeah. and marketing is doing would you agree and it's all about building the, that integration that data integration because that's an age-old yeah. you know battle you know marketing yeah. team says i'm doing my job i sent you tons of leads you just didn't close them sales says no yeah. these leads were junk you're not doing your job bring us broader leads yeah that I mean, when you can then all be looking at the same data set to say, okay, you know, let's all be looking at what was that quality. Let's like bridge that gap through data. Yeah. So it's not just, you're not just pointing fingers, but you're actually all looking at the same report, marching in the same direction and held to the same goals. Absolutely. Sarah, we are about out of time. This went fast. Um, but I want to just, how can people uh, find you online and things like that? Yeah, so check me out, uh, leadlabmedia.com. That's kind of uh, learn more about myself and my team. Um, we also are launching a training program, Lead Lab Academy, because um, we do see that there's a lot of marketers out there who do want to demystify paid media and digital media and kind of learn the tricks and the terminology from the best practices that we've learned over the years. So we have cool. some training programs for both practitioners and also you know marketers who just want to be stronger strategists in this space. So we are launching our uh, pre-sale on the beta of that training program. So check that out as well. Awesome. And then find me on LinkedIn, um, Sarah Johnson. We I'm constantly posting ideas and just kind of things that we're learning on our team. So connect with me and would love to keep the conversation going. Fantastic. Sarah, thanks for taking the time to share and uh, just wish you well and everything that you're doing. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. 
Hey, I want to thank you for watching today's episode of The Savvy Marketer. If your wheels are turning about KPIs or getting your marketing and sales team working together more effectively, I want to encourage you to like today's video, comment on it, and be sure to subscribe and share it with other people who need to see it as well. Every episode of The Savvy Marketer is brought to you by Spire. We're an Ohio-based marketing agency. We love helping small to mid-sized companies grow and scale. And we can do that by helping you sharpen your strategy, get the stuff done, and make your marketing hum. Take your marketing higher with Spire. Thanks for watching.